BetMGM has an unreal deal for sports fans in Maryland. Turn $5 into $150 instantly when you place your first wager at BetMGM. Simply download the BetMGM app and sign up using code OLDLINE150. Then, place a $5 wager on any sport. You'll receive $150 in bonus bets, regardless of your wager's outcome. And if you think the fun stops there, the king of sportsbooks has plenty of surprises in store. Check out daily promotions, same game parlays, live bets, and so much more. Download the app in Maryland today and get $150 in bonus bets instantly from your first wager only at BetMGM. BetMGM and GameSense remind you to play responsibly. See BetMGM.com for terms. 21 plus only. Maryland only. New customer offer subject to eligibility requirements. Rewards are non-withdrawable bonus bets that expire in seven days from issuance. Please play responsibly. For help, visit mdgamblinghelp.org or call 1-800-GAMBLER in partnership with MGM National Harbor. Promotional not available in Washington, D.C. Welcome to the Viking Age podcast, the official podcast of thevikingage.com. My name is Chris Ed, all right, for the Viking Age as well as zone coverage. Bring me the news and the Brookings Register. We do this every Monday and Thursday right here on the Viking Age channel and on Apple and Spotify the very next day. But however you consume us, make sure you're rating, you're commenting, you're liking and subscribing so you never miss a new episode. Like I had mentioned on Monday, we're going to do things a little bit differently here. Adam Patrick is going to be a part-time guest of the show and coming on, which means that I have a little bit of open spots to fill for the Thursday podcast. So we're going to have a new guest for you each and every week. And right now, I am honored to introduce our first guest on the Viking Age podcast. Uh, he's someone you may have read his work, heard his podcast, or maybe just brawled with him on Twitter. He is the man behind Purple Insider and a man that loves fullbacks, neck rolls, and an ice-cold can of Diet Dr. Pepper. His name is Matthew Caller. Matthew, what's going on, man? How have you been? Uh, well, I've been good. Yeah, I certainly have uh, had a lot of Diet Dr. Peppers this summer as uh, we get ready for training camp. Just kind of waiting here over the next few days. I think probably next week we start sort of hardcore previewing camp and then it's off and running for 2023. So it's been, uh, it, it's actually been a little too quiet, you know, and, and seeing the, um, the big extension today for what Quentin Williams, I was thinking like, you know, I, I should keep in the back of my mind that a Daniil Hunter thing could happen anytime soon. It's just been too quiet in Viking land. So I, you can always expect them to make news at some point. You got Justin Jefferson's contract still out there as well. TJ Hawkinson. Somebody mentioned that it was 10 days before training camp today. And I was just like, oh my God, like it's so close yet so far away. And you just know they they can't just go into training camp just casually, right? They got to come in with some kind of flair, big news to drop, right? You know? Yeah, that always used to be a thing that you could pretty much count on that as soon as training camp started, there would be somebody's contract extension to start with a press conference or at least a couple of days into training camp. And if someone who was up for an extension was at training camp and fully participating, you figured that they were on the front door of signing something, right? But this year, you know, it's a little bit different because we don't really have precedent for this type of situation with Kwesi Adafo-Mensa as the general manager. I mean, I think that we always knew that Rick Spielman uh, would pay out for whoever, you know, was kind of in a conflict with their contract. And, and that always seems to come to fruition, even when it was someone like Kyle Rudolph 
where we thought, well, maybe he won't sign an extension. And then he did. Or Delvin Cook, where it actually took till, if I remember correctly, the very last day before the season started, but they still found a way to get that extension done. And I remember him kind of taking it easy during training camp, make sure that he wouldn't get hurt or anything else like that. And I don't think he played in the preseason games because, you know, they were still working on those final details. So the timing of all those things, we don't really know. Uh, or even if they're actually going to happen, because it has seemed like anything that's not nailed down for the future has uh, left the building. But, you know, Daniil Hunter is still in his prime. He's coming off of a great season. But if you're him, you're probably feeling like he wants a full commitment at massive dollars from the team. And with other major extensions on the way, you mentioned Jefferson, Hawkinson, and uh, throw Christian Derrissaw next year into that. It is quite a commitment to say, okay, we're going to make you one of the highest paid players, especially with his injury history. So none of these, I think, are easy. Even Hawkinson, where when they traded for him, I I think we all believed that he would just sign an extension almost immediately. And the fact that that hasn't happened yet makes you wonder, is Hawkinson going to bet on himself? Would the team just wait and franchise tag him? Because the franchise tag for tight ends is pretty favorable as opposed to paying him huge dollars. So I don't think any one of these situations is easy and they will all make for pretty good test cases for Quasi Adafo We will talk about contract extensions a little bit later in the show, but with 10 days out until training camp, I, I think just like agents and well, I mean, Quasi's, uh, as you just mentioned, Quasi's calendar is a little bit full, maybe with some agent meetings or whatever, but we're all just sitting here. We're Netflixing and we're chilling and Kirk Cousins has entered our TV screens early. Kirk Cousins, of course, one of three quarterbacks featured on the Netflix series quarterback. Uh, it is an eight part series chronicling Cousins along with Patrick Mahomes and Marcus Mariota. I know there are people who have just ripped right through all eight episodes like a psychopath. Um, I was talking to you before the show and you had kind of seen highlights. I just got through show number three before we went on the air. And while some of the footage is recycled from NFL film stuff, I, I like the peel back of the curtain stuff that goes into it. What do you think about shows like this where it kind of started with hard knocks? Now they kind of, you know, have that in-season hard knocks. And now they're going to individual players. Like, do these shows kind of interest you or how do you kind of view these shows? Yeah, I think that um, I've always been a huge fan of NFL films, of course. I mean, they shaped the way that I viewed the NFL growing up. And if I remember when I was growing up, they used to have NFL films features on before the pregames started. So it was kind of like the beginning of Football Sunday was whatever the NFL films feature was leading in. And then when YouTube started, uh, you know, going through the old team yearbooks and all those things, uh, they're super fun from the 90s and stuff like that. Uh, In the week before leading up to the Super Bowl, they always run the old Super Bowl NFL films. They're so good. And Hard Knocks was really revolutionary when it first started, taking you behind the scenes. I mean, I think everybody remembers the Mike Zimmer sideline rant during the preseason game uh, where he just goes off. But there was some really cool sides of Mike Zimmer that were shown in that. And I actually think that it had helped maybe his case for getting a head coaching job at some point because you kind of saw all of the different parts of him as a coach and not just the screaming lunatic uh, on the sideline, but also his intensity and his passion, his knowledge for the game and stuff like that. Uh, Rex Ryan's rants, just a classic. It's time to go get a snack and all that stuff. Um, So I've really enjoyed that series over the years. I do feel like in the world we live in, a lot of the edginess has been smoothed out of all this type of content. I mean, even last year, 
they did a behind the scenes thing with the Arizona Cardinals. And I don't remember if it was NFL films or Amazon or whoever it was that did it. And I read a recap of it that basically said, like, you you just really couldn't get the actual feel of what was going on there and how tense it was. And it was kind of more just sort of bland and sad than than anything else. Um, So I think that this has peeled the curtain back to some extent, but also having covered this team for a long time and just pro sports for a long time, uh, I think that a lot, a lot of the drama is left out. I mean, it was a 13-win season for the Vikings, so it wasn't uh, as tense as it was in the past. I mean, if they had done this in 2021, now, holy cow, there might have been a lot of stuff to talk about. But even then, even then, it just it seems like with everybody kind of wanting control of their own narrative and uh, a lot of, you know, I mean, think about like who's in charge of this, Peyton Manning and, and so forth. I think he was going to intend to show a lot of the stuff that maybe people don't know about quarterbacks, but also protect these guys and not make them look bad and not show some of their worst moments and not show some of the stuff maybe behind the scenes that does get tense during an NFL season. And again, I I don't know that last year had a lot of tension. It was probably the least tense season that I've ever covered. So they picked the right time to do it. But, you know, I think seeing things like what Kirk Cousins goes through to even recover from playing in an NFL football game. uh, That's why, and you see me on Twitter laugh. Every time some guy says that he could run for five yards in the NFL and you're like, okay, uh, no, I don't think so. I don't think so, pal. I don't think you make it to, to you know, two plays or whatever. Uh, and, and I'm sure Kirk Cousins could attest to that considering the hits that he takes, the preparation that it takes uh, to just be an NFL quarterback, to stand out there and be in charge, um, the intensity on the sideline of Patrick Mahomes and stuff like that. I think it's all, it's all really exciting. I, I don't think that you're going to walk out of it saying, Oh my gosh, like you wouldn't believe the some of the stuff that went behind the scenes. It's crazy, like the things that really do happen behind the scenes in the NFL. But you certainly got a look that was much closer. Um, you know, him in the car ride home is a really interesting perspective of him talking about not the fourth down and eight, but the third down play before that, where he throws it behind, K, behind KJ Osborne, him as a person, how he lives, stuff like that. Um, so it, it was uh, interesting insight into who Kirk Cousins. Yeah, and you talked about the durability factor, and you know people say, "Oh, well, I can run for five yards against this," while everybody's trying to murder you. The one episode that stuck out to me so far, and I've only seen three of them. Uh, Adam actually, when I was talking to him last night, he said, "You got to watch episode three. That's the big one. The Bills game is there, but it just really peels back the curtain." And it was Kirk's hit he took against Washington where Duran Payne just completely just buried him into the turf and Kirk sitting there and Payne looks at him and goes, you'll be all right. And he's like, ah, and like, you know, I got the wind knocked out of me. I got the wind knocked out of me. And it took him like a full week just to get that hit out of his system. Like he's in the cold tub on Monday. He's got a chiropractor at his house on Friday. Uh, He might've even seen a sports therapist at one point because they showed him after the Eagles game, talking to him like all of those things. And then you see the footage from the Buffalo game and he's just taking hit after hit after hit right in the sternum. And he's talking about like, I couldn't even think like Adam Thielen's trying to tell him like what kind of coverage is, he's facing and like Kirk can't even like focus enough to listen on him because he's in so much pain. There's another play where he thinks Justin Jefferson's on a curl route and he throws an interception. And, you know, most people sitting on their couch, probably me included on that Sunday are just like, what are you doing? Why are you throwing that? Well, it's because it feels like he's got a damn knife in his ribs. 
um, you know, the last play of the regulation, or I don't think it was regulation, but the last offensive play the Vikings had at Buffalo, there's that quarterback sneak and he goes low and he's like, I should have gone high. And Kevin O'Connell's like, why didn't you go over the top? Well, it's because he didn't want a linebacker, you know, lunging at his ribs again, because again, like they're, they're probably broken at that point. And by the end of the game, he didn't even celebrate because he's just like, get me out of here. Like, I, I don't want to hug anybody. I don't want to, you know, I, I, I got to go get treatment or whatever. It's one of the things I think people take for granted, especially with Kirk, like to get in, show up every day. And, you know, out, outside of a super virus that like stopped the planet in his tracks, like we, we don't know what these players are going through. And I think that's one of the things that this series really did is you see what Kirk deals with on a day-to-day basis and week to week and why some of the decisions are made during the course of a game. Yeah. And I think that uh, that's one thing that all rookies talk about when it comes to like, coming to the NFL is just how uh, all the veteran players are able to take care of their bodies to get just out on the field at all. And, you know, when Mike Zimmer says something back in the day, like you can't make the club if you're in the tub, but there is some truth to that. I mean, I mean, there is that like every player is getting banged up and there is a process to heal yourself to the point where you can get out there and play. And are you willing to do everything that it takes to get out there and play? Because if you are, uh, you're probably going to have more success. And, and Cousins, I mean, over the years has really taken some hits and always gotten back up. And that one in Washington, I thought was going to be it. I thought that was going to be the one that you know took him out for a few weeks and then he gets back up and he gets back out there and uh, he keeps playing. I, I think you never really know the degree to what somebody is dealing with because they're not going to come out and say it. They don't want people to hit them in the ribs more. Uh, you know, they don't want to come out and say, oh, yeah, it's this. Um, that's why I think that in part those injury reports try to be vague a little bit, like just wrist, ankle, whatever, um, and not say too much because you know there is an, a part of trying to protect the player from his injury. Um, but it's also sort of the price to play poker. I mean, if you want to be an NFL quarterback that makes the type of money he does and wants to be a star, you kind of have to invest all of that stuff. And I, and I do think that it showed how much Kirk puts into it. And I've always thought this about Kirk Cousins in general, that um, if you, if you want to talk about a guy that squeezed every single bit of juice out of the orange of his career, Kirk Cousins is that guy. I mean, a fourth round pick, if you go back and look at his athletic scores at the combine, not very impressive, not quite Tom Brady unimpressive, um, but unimpressed. I mean, not even he's not even very tall like Tom Brady is. So he has a lot working against him when he starts his career. Washington, you know, picks RG three, and Kirk did everything he could to even get on the field and be a competent quarterback. And then his work very hard and progressed. And I, I even think that in Minnesota that the, the Vikings have gotten even a better version of Kirk Cousins in Minnesota than he was in Washington because he has continued to get better year after year. And I really think, too, another part of this that I, I've learned over the years, watching quarterbacks fail uh, in preseason and training camp, Kellen Mond, Kyle Sloter, and so forth, is uh, being able to even just understand the playbook. What you're supposed to do on each play takes so much work. And uh, Kirk knows that process, and he's done that process uh, many times and had many different play callers and many different offenses. But uh, to be able to get the memorization down and then go execute it at full speed, but to be able to command your teammates as well, because I think people don't understand a lot of times that you get out there and somebody's lined up wrong, but you have to identify that 
that you know all the other 10 guys have to be in the right spot in order for the play to work. And the quarterback is responsible for all of that. So there's a reason why they get paid a lot more than everybody else because so much is on their plates. And I think if this series did anything really, really well, it's to show just how much these guys go through to make it all happen. Now you hinted, uh, you know, these guys get paid a little bit more and uh, there's a bit of a discussion about Kirk Cousins and maybe his next contract, which is a bit of a segue into the next topic we're going to dive into. But before we dive full into that, I I just want to kind of ask, what do you think about Kirk Cousins' future? Because I think this could get very interesting because Kirk alluded to how hard it was to learn Kevin O'Connell's offense. And I believe last year he mentioned something about he not feeling really comfortable with this until the Detroit game. And I went back and I looked it up in the 11 games before uh, this is the second Detroit game of the season. Of course, uh, 11 games before that game, he was thrown for 244 yards per game, 18 touchdowns, nine interceptions, 64% completion rate with 6.5 yards per attempt in the five games after He threw for 322 yards per game, 11 touchdowns, five interceptions, a 69% completion rate, and 8.3 yards per attempt. And then you have the playoff game with the Giants where he went 31 of 39, 273, two touchdowns. Um, It could lead to a lot of outcomes because the Vikings could be pressed to sign him to a short-term deal as kind of a Band-Aid because hearing Kirk talk about the offense i mean do you want a rookie jumping into this offense day one like you're the starter kid i mean you know people talk about caleb williams and how he's patrick mahomes and like you watch this series and you're like no he's not because he might be physically but it's the mental side it's pat you know patrick mahomes walking around the house you know with his kid and his wife seems like a really nice guy then he puts the helmet on and he's like gonna kill your entire family or something like he, he's like a linebacker playing football. I know you love your nineties NFL and two thousands references. Like it reminds me of a Madden commercial with Ray Lewis standing on the little yellow line. And like, you know, it's third and one. He's like, Oh, are you looking for this? And he like pulls it back 10 yards. That's Patrick Mahomes on a football field. He's like, no, I I'm coming at you. Um, Then you have like the bidding war between Sean McVay and Kyle Anahan that could happen. Uh, you know, everybody knows Kyle Shanahan and Kirk Cousins are like a bad Taylor Swift song. Like, you know, it's like this love story that will never, ever end until Kirk Cousins shows up in Washington wearing a Niners uniform. Where do you think this ends? Yeah, I mean, I think that you make a good point about how difficult it is to be a starting NFL quarterback. And that's why we do see some very, very talented players bust. I mean, I think that the explanation for somebody like Zach Wilson isn't that complicated. Yeah, the work that Patrick Mahomes and Kirk Cousins put in, I don't think that Zach Wilson put that in. Uh, I, I think that Zach Wilson thought he could just kind of show up and run around and make plays like he did at BYU. And that was absolutely not the case with the New York Jets, nor will it be for anyone. So there's always risk that's going to go into it. But you know, I guess I kind of think of the like, uh, instead of don't fear the reaper, don't feel fear the ponder. Um, because, you know, I think every time we talk about drafting a quarterback, what Vikings fans biggest fear is that they'll draft the next Christian Ponder. And it does, if you draft a bust quarterback, ruin your life. Uh, it's very, very frustrating to watch. I mean, you're talking to somebody who grew up in Buffalo and I saw a bunch of them, the JP Lossmans, the EJ Manuals, you know, uh, there was all sorts of quarterbacks and it's just, 
absolutely miserable when someone cannot do it. And then the worst part is that often, you know, as a watcher that the guy can't do it before the team actually moves on from them. And so you have to just keep watching, knowing that he can't do it just kind of like Zach Wilson this year. Um, But then there's another side of that coin as well, that, you know, we've just seen so many quarterbacks come in on rookie contracts and have success. And if you do pick that guy, it is a cheat code if he's really good. And there's there's no better example than Patrick Mahomes and Joe Burrow on their rookie contracts and what those guys were able to accomplish. And the same with Josh Allen. And yeah, I know those are the three best quarterbacks in the NFL. But, um, you know, if you pick that guy and, and even Josh Allen and Patrick Mahomes were not even the first quarterbacks picked in their respective drafts. So it is a lot of randomness. It is a lot of just sort of uh, submitting yourself to the football gods and praying to them and hoping that they drop a quarterback in your lap. Um, But I also think that that's the smartest direction to go to build a complete team that can actually chase the Super Bowl, which the Vikings have really struggled to do. And once again, this year, they're having to restructure a contract just to get under the salary cap. And if you play that game, I think we've seen a very big sample size of what happens if you play that game. I mean, you've got to think that if Kirk Cousins was making like $5 million a year, like a rookie quarterback would how good their rosters would have been over these years, but that hasn't been the case. He's always been one of the highest paid quarterbacks, which makes that formula very difficult to work out. And I think, you know, we've been over it enough to kind of understand why this didn't work with Kirk Cousins and they've only won one playoff game during his entire time here. It's not because he can't play quarterback. It's because he is not of the Mahomes level of where you can revamp your entire roster and the guy is still so good. You can let Tyree Kill go and you get to the Super Bowl and you still win because he's Mahomes and because he's got an argument already for being the best quarterback of all time. So uh, not in accomplishments, but in talent, I mean. And you know he's on his way in accomplishments as well. So I think that uh, the Vikings will take a swing at a quarterback in next year's draft and Kirk Cousins will play for someone else. I mean, that could very well change, but I think both sides, it feels like, and and again, this could be wrong three weeks from now when they extend him, but it feels like when Kirk Cousins said that we'll talk about it next March, as far as his contract goes, that everyone has gotten to a point where it's just an impasse. He wants a longer term deal from the Vikings. They want to keep it short term and try to draft somebody soon and develop their guy and have that be sort of the quarterback of the O'Connell era. And uh, Kirk is also 35 years old. There's not a great history of quarterbacks who are not elite succeeding past 35 years old. And you just mentioned how beat up he was last season. So I think that we've kind of just run the course and everyone has accepted it. And they're going to play this year and see what happens. And they're going to try to win. And they're going to try to win the division again, which is very possible. And, you know, no one's better at blocking out the noise. I think in the entire NFL than Kirk Cousins, the guy has horse blinders on. And it doesn't matter what's being said or what the contract situation is or whatever. He's the same guy. It's always been very impressive how he's done that. Uh, But I just have trouble seeing a a scenario outside of NFC championship game, outside of Super Bowl that they reach where they say, okay, we absolutely have to have him. I I mean, if, if they had the top three offense in the NFL and they were deep in the playoffs and he played absolutely out of his mind and the O'Connell offense, he became the maestro of the O'Connell offense and all that stuff. I suppose they could change their mind. But even if you're even if you're Kirk, don't you get to next March and go, hey, wait, weren't you the same guys that didn't want to extend me long term? I think I'm going to go play for somebody else. So I think there's a, a very small range of outcomes where he actually ends up returning after this year. And again, I will leave the door a crack open for them surprising us with a contract extension before the season starts. But it just feels like 
everybody's decided we're going to part way. It's like the senior year in high school. We're all going our separate ways after this. Yeah. And you know, I had you on my old podcast, the Homer horn the day after the super bowl, we talked about the off season. We looked ahead and a quote that you had kind of said is this off season is going to shape the next five years for the Vikings. And I kind of look back on it and there were some big moves. You got rid of Adam Thielen. You got rid of Eric Kendricks, got rid of Dalvin cook. They added some complimentary pieces in Marcus Davenport, Byron Murphy and Jordan Addison, but we still don't know what their plan is. We, we don't know what this competitive rebuild is because there's still a bunch of stuff unresolved. There's a report this morning from Boomer Esiason that said that the Vikings made a $7 million offer to Dalvin Cook to have him come back. Um, I questioned that a little bit because he also said his agent was Drew Rosenhaus, which uh, definitely not. But uh, I mean, with most of the cards laid out, do we know what the Vikings plan is heading into this season? Are, are they tanking? Are they going for that? 10 win plateau because I don't, I don't think this is a Super Bowl team. What do you think? Yeah. I would say uh, first that any information that comes out sort of about Delvin cook, you always have to question it is what I would say. But I do think that in a lot of situations, one thing I noticed that always seemed to come out after the fact was like, well, you know, the Vikings tried to keep feeling, but he just wanted to go elsewhere. And it's a little bit how the twins used to be in on every free agent, but they would actually not really make offers that the player was ever going to sign. I think it's probably that where they said, well, what, what teams do, this is just how teams operate. They have dollar figures on what they believe everybody is. And if you're, if you're getting paid way more than they think you're worth, then you've got a problem, right? And if you can move on from that contract, you probably do. But every team in the NFL has a number on what they believe they would pay for Delvin Cook, their general manager, their front office, their their analytics people, their scouting departments, they all have a number. And so the Vikings, if their number was $7 million and he didn't want to take that pay cut, then that's how it goes. And sometimes I think players will, uh, rather than sort of endure the embarrassment of taking the pay cut, they'll just go somewhere else after getting cut or traded and sort of say like, well, you know, they didn't want me anyway. So I'd rather play for five mil than what they were saying, than take their pay cut. You know, mm -hmm. there is some sort of pride element of that, or maybe he believed and his side believed that they could make more in free agency, which of course would be living on the moon because that's not what anyone has for their number on Delvin Cook. I don't think it's any higher than that. So, I mean, I guess we'll find out when someone signs him, but normally if we're talking about late July signings, they are not for, uh, you know, double digits unless it's a superstar player that somehow has been, you know, holding out. But even DeAndre Hopkins, I don't think is going to make the type of money that he's looking for. So uh, that's a, a side rant, but I think, well, you know, the, Kirk Cousins is the weird part of this whole thing because they didn't trade Kirk Cousins this off season. I don't know if there was any opportunity to do that or not. Um, there would have to be another team that wanted to trade for him. And, you know, teams like new Orleans have their solution. And it seems like San Francisco is rolling with Brock Purdy and they want to find out what they can do with him and Trey Lance there. And I guess Sam Darnold, if he's in that mix as well, uh, but I think the rest of the roster actually does make sense for a direction because you know, when I came out of the combine and it was uh, myself and a couple other reporters sitting down with Kwesi Dafomensa and Kevin O'Connell. And when we walked out of there, I, we had the, the real impression that this roster was going to be wildly different. And some players that fans had the jersey of for a long time were not going to be here anymore. And that's exactly what happened. And I think that this is a competitive rebuild where this is a team that could make the playoffs. They are interesting, certainly on offense, that they could crack the top 10 offensively. 
Justin Jefferson is the best player in the world at his position. Their offensive line could certainly improve with more development of the two guards. Uh, but, you know, they're still rebuilding major parts of their roster. And, and I think if you count it up and you say like, all right, which players are kind of unknowns at this point out of 22 starters, uh, let's say you're in a nickel package on defense. I mean, you can come up with like 14. I mean, you come up with a huge number of players where it's just sort of undecided what they're going to be. Uh, and, uh, you know, most of those players, of course, are on the defense. But even you have the running back position, the two guard positions, the wide receiver two slash three, depending on where you see Jordan Addison, and then at least two cornerback positions, a safety position, a linebacker. Uh, you know, and there's just so much on this roster that is undecided, but a lot of it is on the younger side that you could see these players being a part of the future. So kind of reminds me actually of like a 2014 even where, you know, you go into that season with a lot of players that you're not sure who's going to be here and who's not. And that season was about figuring out who was going to be next. And then you go out and try to add the other pieces once you are uh, out from under Kirk Cousins contract, which the restructure does make that a little more difficult for next season. Um, but still, you know, going forward, I think they're going to want pieces that are uh, here for multiple years, young guys, guys that they've drafted. And that is the definition of competitive rebuild. I, I think a lot of us probably when he said competitive rebuild, we went like, I don't know what that is. That sounds like you made that up. Like that's a, but, but I really believe that that's what it is now. It wasn't that right away. But that is what it is now. And I think you saw that a little bit with some of the moves that they made. I mean, they didn't like go all in and sign a guy to a seven year contract or whatever. The guys that they signed are guys that they can see what happens. And if they suck, for the lack of a better term, they can just move on. Like Byron Murphy's only got a two year deal. And I think there's some void years. I mean, there's like void years to every contract. I've lost count right now. But, um, you know, if Byron Murphy, isn't the cornerback they think they're out of it in two years. Uh, I keep wanting to call him Sheldon Richardson, but Marcus Davenport, it's the same situation just a couple years later, but Marcus Davenport signs a one-year deal, 13 million, I believe. You know, you see what happens there. If he doesn't pan out, you move on, and I don't know, you draft one the next year. The Vikings have done a good job of knowing, hey, the quarterback thing, we don't see our Mahomes or whatever in the draft. Like, we're not going to force it by taking Will Levis or Hendon Hooker in the first round. We're just going to build the hell out of this team. And that's what they did in the draft, I think. And that's why, you know, it wasn't sexy. There wasn't anything that made me, you know, anybody jump up out of their couch and scream, oh, my God, here come the Vikings. It was a very solid process where you get a number two receiver in Jordan Addison. You get a solid, potentially starting cornerback in Makai Blackman. Like just a lot of solid players who could pan out, who could go away for absolutely nothing. So I think, you know, you mentioned 2014. There's almost parts of this that feel a little bit like 2017, but like a watered down version. Because you also had in 2017, this 2015 draft class that was coming of age and they all kind of spiked at the same time. And that led the Vikings to the NFC Championship game and raised their cheap corner quarterback Chase Ke or Chase Case Keenum to the NFC Championship game. That's a bit of a tongue twister, but you see what I'm getting at here. Like by the end of training camp, we're gonna know a lot more names on this roster and see. Oh wow, Josh Metellus can be a joker, or Ivan Pace can make this roster. Maybe as like a special teams player, and maybe eventually as a linebacker. Like, it's going to be a really fun training camp. And I don't know, what are you most excited for 
going into camp? I think it's just the fact that most of the or there's so many positions that we are learning about and there's legitimate battles between these positions. I mean, if you look at last year, find me the position battles. Is it wide receiver four? I guess. I mean, yeah, the, we were talking about Amir Smith Marset uh, the entire time and whether they were going to keep him or not and, and things like that. Put him under the category of uh, players that they cut that didn't matter that uh, people got upset he's about. One the, he's <laughs> one of those players you like use on the immaculate grid. Like, who is this player that played for <laughs> yeah. the uh, yeah. For the Vikings and the Chiefs. Uh yeah. Yeah. I, I would also say just, you know, sometimes beware of falling in love with somebody from some training camp highlights that you see someone took from the stands or whatever, because it doesn't always mean that they know the whole offense or that the team is buying into them. Uh, but I think it was Alexander Hollins that people were upset about a couple of years ago when he got cut. And usually uh if you can't make the team after all those practices, there's a reason. But uh put that aside, there's real battles. There's not a wide receiver four battle between BC Johnson and Amir Smith-Marset, or there's not like who's going to be the third or fourth or fifth corner or something. This is who's going to start at corner, who's going to start at safety. And I mean, Brian Asamoa, we've already said, you know, kind of anointed him as a starting linebacker, but he wasn't taking all the first team reps in minicamp. And I think he's going to have to earn that because they did bring in a veteran in Troy Reader, uh, which is kind of the, um, who was the guy they had a couple of years ago? Uh, linebacker had the interception against Arizona. What was his name? Yeah, I'm I'm uh, I'm not sharp on that one, but yeah, you know, kind of the the random Vigil? linebacker, Nick Vigil. Yeah, uh, yeah, Nick Vigil. Yeah. yeah, that's the one. Yeah, so the Troy Reader is kind of that uh, ilk of player. But if you know you can't beat him out, then we're saying, well, what's going on here? And and you know, the offensive line is pretty much set, but does it look like it's got even better chemistry than it does last year? And then you know, the running back battle. Alexander Madison is the guy, but behind him, wide open. I mean, there's a real competition there that's going to be on a daily basis. Who got more first-team reps? Who got more second-team reps? Uh, Jordan Addison is the most intriguing player to come into training camp as a rookie in a very long time for the Vikings, probably since Delvin Cook, I think, that has serious hype and somebody that you know there's expectations on right away. And for Delvin, he had to follow up Adrian Peterson And now, you know, Jordan Addison has to follow up Adam Thielen and come in here. And I think he's supposed to be a weapon for them right away. So how quickly does he catch on to everything that they're doing? Or is it going to be KJ Osborne who gets more uh, receptions? And then, you know, kind of what does the offense look like? Uh, What what can we pick up on things that are different? And, you know, there is a rookie quarterback to keep an eye on. Can Jaron Hall make any headway toward you know, QB two. I kind of doubt it with Nick Mullins here who's more of a proven guy, but if he shows something, that'll be kind of interesting to talk about. So I think really in all parts of this roster, there's just things that are so undecided. And then there's these major storylines that are unresolved as of right now that will linger. If Justin Jefferson does not have the contract extension by the first week of training camp, then it's all right. The clock is ticking. What's going on there. Same with TJ Hawkinson and Daniel Hunter's holdout. Like there is so many more storylines. I will say last year was interesting because it's a new coach, but the roster wasn't so different. And you can't really pick up because we were talking about a new scheme on defense, but you can't really tell how that's going to go uh, during training camp. Was that Donatel's defense going to be? I don't think I would have said it was going to be horrendous last no. year after seeing him in training camp. So that was a surprise. Um, but as far as player versus player goes, this is, I, I've never covered a training camp with this many legitimate battles. So, we're running out of time here, but I went through a list 
of over-unders heading into training camp. Some of them are about the regular season, some are about training camp. And I got this idea from Evan Silva, who he's of a established the run, and he recently said he threw down a bet on Alexander Madison to lead the NFL in rushing at 40 to 1. Which at first I'm like, boy, you like lighting money on fire, don't you? But then I kind of realized to make money in gambling, you have to come out of left field and be like, well, this could happen. If I throw five bucks down here, I can make $200 if Alexander Madison leads the league in rushing. So his reasoning was that he thinks that Alexander Madison will get 275 carries this offseason. So what I'm going to do here is I'm going to go kind of rapid fire here, and I'm going to start with this one. Alexander Madison over under, we'll just say 200. 50 carries this season. I'll go with under. I think that they're going to have Kenny Wongwu and T, uh, Ty Chandler involved. I, I don't know about Dwayne McBride, seventh round pick, how much you can really get him involved right away. Uh, historically, not a lot of seventh round picks have been involved in offenses right away outside of what happened in Kansas City last year. But usually that doesn't happen a lot. I think those other two guys are promising runners. Still, uh, I think maybe his point is if you go back and look at like the Los Angeles Rams, they tended to run guys into the ground. And even the way that they handled Delvin Cook last year, they didn't bring him off the field very much. So if they don't trust anybody else, then Madison, what was the number 250 that you threw out there? I, uh, I mean, threw 250. He said 275, which I I, I think there much. were only, yeah, I think there are only three rushers that hit 275 last year. So I like even 250, I bet you the magic number is 200. In, yeah. in my opinion, but yeah, I, I think they're going to mix things up and try and keep them uh, fresh. Um, how about this one? We we kind of teased it a little bit over under one and a half contract extensions prior to training camp. Uh, I would say prior to training camp, I will take the under. But if we count maybe the first two weeks of training camp, it's just, you know, I, I think the Hunter thing could happen. That one is a very much coin flip to me. Trading a player of that caliber is not easy. Uh, you need somebody to really step to the plate. You can't lose that trade. If you trade away a player that good, you can't get like a third round pick. You have to get, I would say a two and a four, or you can't do it just in the public eye. You're going to look like a complete fool. And I, I think Quasey probably doesn't want that. So if they, uh, you know, if he signs an extension, it's probably not happening the first day, but it might be within the first two weeks. And then he comes to camp. The one that I'm not really sure about, well, I'm not really sure about Hawkinson or Jefferson. Jefferson feels like that one's going to take a while. Uh, could be wrong. Could back up the brink truck. We'll see. Hawkinson is the one I'm really interested in because he's got a lot of reason to want to stay. This is such a great fit for him. He seems like a Minnesota guy. Like I, I know he's not from here necessarily, but ish. You're I mean, right. He's, he's buying beers for people at hockey games. I mean, how Minnesotan can you get? That's what I mean. I mean, it just seems like a very comfortable <laughs> fit for him, and I think he wants to stay. But if you're the team, just take a look at the um, the franchise tag dollar figure for this year. It was like eleven million or twelve million or something. It is not very high. So if you're them, they might think, well, we could just franchise tag him next year. And if you're him, he might think. I could bet on myself, but um, you know, I think ultimately it's good for both sides for them to sign Hawkinson. So I think I might go over if I went, if you gave me like two weeks into training camp, but all three of these are very difficult uh, to figure out. I mean, I get asked about them all the time when I do live streams or mailbags or whatever. 
And every time I'm kind of like, I don't really know, because you could make a really strong argument for, hey, Jefferson doesn't have to sign right now. But also, if he hits the field, he risks, you know, injury or whatever else. Not that there would be any bad knee injuries in Viking land of key players or anything in the past. But, uh, you're always, you know, you're taking that risk if you step on the field without an extension um, for Jefferson. But also the team, you know, they're going to want to get it structured the way they want to get it structured, right? They're probably not going to say, hey, whatever you want, pal, we'll just do it your way. So you could see where there could be a conflict there. And with Hawkinson, you could see, hey, if I'm going to rank second in the NFL in targets this year or something, someone's going to pay me $18 million. And if you guys aren't offering that, then I'm not doing it. Um, and then, you know, with Daniel Hunter, I think that one's very much a coin flip. So the hard, hard to figure. That's over under one and a half is a great over under. I will, I think I'll go over if I get the first two weeks of camp, but not confidently at all. Consider this the NFC North lightning round here. Over under 22 and a half touchdown passes for Jordan Love. I'll go over. I don't think it's that hard to have over 22 touchdown passes and he's going to play the whole season unless he gets hurt. So uh, that doesn't mean he'll be great, but I think he will. He'll get every opportunity to get more than 22 touchdown passes. over under nine and a half wins for the Detroit Lions over. Yeah, I'm going to go over on that one, uh, you know, save for always like if their quarterback gets hurt or something. But I think that that roster is extremely strong and their schedule is really not that impressive. So they've got a great opportunity to win 11, 12 games just because they're Detroit doesn't mean they won't win. I mean, we've seen uh, bad franchises turn around before, and I think they're on the right direction. But um, again, only with like some confidence because uh, they are Detroit. And, and, you know, Dan Campbell, as much as I love him, he he can be very uh, unpredictable. Sometimes he'll convert seven times on fourth down. And then uh, with the game on the line, he'll be like, oh, let's kick a field goals um, over under the fifth overall pick in the 2024 draft for the Chicago Bears. I will say that they will be better than that, but not by a ton. I, I think that they are like a seven win team, maybe an eight win team. Their defense is still pretty bad. I think their offense will improve quite a bit. So I, I've got them as more of a seven win team, which I think probably puts you at like the 10th overall draft pick. Um, but uh, I, I, I guess what, what I would predict about the Bears is that people are still debating whether Justin Fields is the guy after the end of this year. Final one. Over under eight and a half wins for the Vikings next season. I am going to go over, but not by much. So I think it's a nine or a 10 win season because they have a good enough offense and a good enough coach and a good enough culture and all that sort of stuff and a good enough defensive coordinator to squeeze a lot out of that. But I don't think that they're a team that is going to make noise for Super Bowl contention. Um, depending on how the rest of the NFC goes, I mean, you could get a decent playoff seed by getting 10 wins, uh, you know, because there's only a couple of strong teams, but I think it's going to be very much like last year in everything, except for the win total, where the point differential is probably not that impressive. And some of the other metrics kind of say that they're just okay. And when they get to the playoffs, there's going to be a clear, these three teams are really great. And then the Vikings are in the playoffs for sure, but they don't maybe have the strength to go all the way, you know, deep in the playoffs. And that's it. But, you know, with this year, you could see, I mean, you probably can't see as, as high of a ceiling as last year. I thought that last year going in, you could see a fairly high ceiling, but with, you know, because they brought back so much talent and everything, but with this year, you can see a pretty low floor. Uh, all you need is a couple of those players to fail and a couple of players to get hurt. And you are a, a pretty rough team. I mean, if a wide receiver gets hurt, I mean, it doesn't even have to be Jefferson. It could be Osborne. Could be Addison. Like, who are you throwing to? You know, TJ Hawkinson, an offensive lineman on defense. 
if they don't have Hunter, how are they sacking the quarterback? I mean, there's only right. so many blitzes that Brian Flores can run. So they're kind of, uh, it's like a, I think that they have a good enough quarterback and a good enough offensive system to make the playoffs and to be a nine or 10 win team. But they are also a couple of bad breaks away from being a six win. What's going on at Purple Insider these days? Oh, you know, uh, this week is predictions week. So I wrote 50 predictions, went over them on the podcast, uh, had an analytics expert analyze some predictions that I think nerds are making. Um, so a lot, you know, a lot of fun. And then uh, I think probably next week we start going uh, hardcore all in on the positional previews and all that sort of stuff, training camp previews. And then, you know, the off season ends. So it's, uh, it'll be pretty exciting, but I'll be out there as always for the last, how many years is this for me? I think I was the last year of Mankato. So that must've been 17 was the last camp. Cause I arrived in 16, but yeah. didn't cover camp. So what is this? Six, six yeah, or seven? 2016 or yeah. Uh, 26. Yeah. Seven, eight math, you know? Yeah. yeah I think it's the sixth training camp, but I'm not hundred percent sure, but uh, yeah, yeah. I'll be doing it again. So uh, it'll be fun. And where can people follow you on social media? Uh, at Matthew Collars, the Twitter and uh, Purple Insider on Twitter as well. And uh, uh, threads and yeah. whatever, Blue Sky, MySpace, I don't know, LinkedIn. A wolf. Yeah, a wolf. Exactly. <laughs> uh, but everything is housed at purpleinsider.com. So if you want to go to purpleinsider.com, that's where you're going to get all that training camp coverage from TCO Performance Center and uh, everything else. So I, I would go check that out. Well, Collar, thank you for coming on. Uh, our first guest on the Viking Age podcast. And for all you out there, a reminder, we do this every Monday at 6.15, uh, Monday and Thursday at 6.15 p.m. Central Time right here on the Viking Age YouTube channel. But if you miss us, we're in podcast form the very next day. Make sure you like, comment, share, and subscribe so you never miss a new episode. For Matthew Collar, I am Chris Shad, and we'll talk to you next time on the Viking Age podcast. BetMGM has an unreal deal for sports fans in Maryland. Turn $5 into $150 instantly when you place your first wager at BetMGM. Simply download the BetMGM app and sign up using code OLDLINE150. Then, place a $5 wager on any sport. You'll receive $150 in bonus bets, regardless of your wager's outcome. And if you think the fun stops there, the king of sportsbooks has plenty of surprises in store. Check out daily promotions, same game parlays, live bets, and so much more. Download the app in Maryland today and get $150 in bonus bets instantly from your first wager only at BetMGM. BetMGM and GameSense remind you to play responsibly. See BetMGM.com for terms. 21 plus only. Maryland only. New customer offer. Subject to eligibility requirements. Rewards are non-withdrawable bonus bets that expire in seven days. From issuance, please play responsibly. For help, visit mdgamblinghelp.org or call 1-800-GAMBLER in partnership with MGM National Harbor. Promotional not available in Washington, D.C. Get ahead of postage rate increases this year with Stamps.com. It's like your own personal post office. Sign up with promo code PROGRAM for a four-week trial plus free postage and a free digital scale. No long-term commitments or contracts. That's Stamps.com code PROGRAM.